This is Eternum Radio. Broadcasting from the peaks of Shattered Mountain to the New World. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Eternum Radio. I am your host, Slacker, here joined by my two co-hosts, Ruko. Hey everybody. And Big Papa. Howdy. We have just finished an in-depth discussion and debate on whether or not Hawaiian pizza is considered pizza or not, and the consensus was <laughs> it is not. That's correct. Uh, yeah, that that's was, not correct. That we had a consensus. We yes. had one listener pipe in and agreed... With me, that pineapple yeah, pizza, that, that Hawaiian that pizza, has been just is kicked from the Discord and removed from our lives. So. No, no. If you want to participate, uh, if you if you want to join in on the conversation in our pre-show or in our post-show, uh, you can join us here in Discord where we uh, record our uh, our episodes. Follow us on uh, Twitch uh, at the Slacker Project, or follow us on Twitter where we'll post uh, when we're going live, so you can uh, be a part of our pre-show and post-show. Um, so that's always a ton of fun. Um, as uh, we, we had talked about earlier, we were hoping to have Danny on the show today. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we had some te- technical difficulties on our end, and we weren't able to make that happen. But we do have plans to meet with him in the future after Beta has a release, because there's some really good topics we want to discuss with him, such as how communities who are bigger than 100 people uh, are going to be working together with their companies. You know, a company can only contain 100 individuals. What if your community is more than 100 people? Do you feel limited? There's a lot of cool stuff we want to talk about come post-beta, uh, and we'll discuss that with him in a later episode. So we're still super excited to have him on the show. He will be coming soon, just not today. Uh, check out his content on YouTube. He puts out some really great stuff. Oh, and he streams on Twitch pretty regularly as well. Um so let's go over a brief overview of today's topics. Uh, we'll start off with our news. There's some good stuff that has been happening there uh, that New World has announced. Then we'll dive into our feature review, which will consist of instanced PvP combat. So we want to talk about all that combat, PvP combat that happens not in the world PvP, but in a, in a very kind of controlled environment. Those come, at, come in two forms, Territory Wars and Outpost Rush. So we're going to talk about both of those and what it's like to play in them, whether we're excited about them, what we're worried about. Then we'll do a, a small lore dive and, and talk a little bit about um, Azoth or Azoth. I've heard it pronounced several different ways. We'll call it uh, Azoth from here on out. And the Corrupted. Uh, how are these related? What what could this mean for the future of Eternum? We'll dive a little bit into that. And finally end it with our opinion segment. Uh, after we've had the good feature review about... Um, about instance pvp combat let's talk about what makes good pvp content is it better in an instance or is it better in the open world how do those what what makes the pvp content immersive versus just a reward grind and we'll get into all that later today but let's start off with the new world news alpha has officially ended we await the beta with bated breath this is actually our last recording before everyone gets to play in the beta who has pre-ordered. Uh, if you haven't pre-ordered or you're not sure you want to pre-order because uh, you don't like pre-ordering stuff, which is absolutely a, a good stand to have, uh, you can still uh, sign up on the New World's website to request to be a part of the beta, uh, but pre-purchasing does solidify your position uh, in the closed beta. Closed beta, right? It, you just got to buy the game and you'll get in. Um... That starts on the 20th. We are less than a week away at the time of this episode going live. Uh, I'm really excited for it. 
Next episode we have, we're going to be talking about our first reactions and actually talk about the content and how we feel about the gameplay. Tell me you guys are looking forward to that. Oh yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Um, I It'll be nice to actually get in the game instead of just watching footage and uh, answer a lot of the questions I still have about the game and, you know, take a look at my weapon build and see how... Well, it destroys Big Papa's weapon build, so that'll, that'll be fun. <laughs> I was just going to say I can't wait to, uh, you know, con- continuously evade Ruko with my rapier build. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, in an interesting note, uh, they posted, New World recently posted that the game director Scott Lane on July 20th at 9 a.m., and if I remember correctly, the beta servers are going to go live at 9.30 a.m. Pacific time. Yeah, that's correct. Um, So they'll be doing their first developer live stream uh, for the first time ever. This will be the first time we'll see the developers have their hands on. It'll be half an hour before the rest of us get to jump in uh, and we all crash the servers. (laughs) So (laughs) during this live stream, they are going to announce the updates and changes that they've made to New World and what we can expect in the closed beta. So it does look like they've put in another round of changes and we'll see how drastic they are. My initial reaction was I thought there'll be very subtle changes, bug fixes and whatnot. Ruko, you think they might add some more content here? I, I hope so. I don't expect like a new weapon, um, but maybe some tweaks to maybe the PvP combat that we're going to talk today. I think a lot of it's just going to be fe- feedback they got from the alpha and the changes they could actually make in you know the few weeks since the alpha has ended. So uh, we'll see. I'm not expecting anything massive or anything like that, but... Uh, hopefully, hopefully some tuning and some maybe a few new things here and there. I think that would be that would be great. Okay, so finally, we have an announcement, kind of more on our side. So just to clear things up, uh, if you're interested in playing with us, uh, we are going to be picking a server that we'll be playing on. We'll announce that in our Discord. If you want to play in our company, uh, certainly go over and join our Discord because that's where we're going to be uh, gathering people together and playing. Um, but this. This Discord server is also primarily for this podcast, which is not necessarily directly tied to the company, sort of like a sidestep. But if you want to get involved, you can. And what we did is we did a vote to see which faction we should join. And Big Papa's got some staggering results for us. Ah, uh, yes. <clears throat> uh, after a uh, after we, we we did a vote for which faction uh, our viewers wanted us to play during the beta specifically. Um, and it turns out that, uh, we're going to be playing the syndicate. Yay. Syndicate. Wrong. That's not even true. No, that, not that, true. that, that, yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it was uh, said. We added so a couple no. of votes last no. night. <laughs> well, uh, you weren't looking, so. Okay. No, no. All right. All right. It was real close, but, uh, it, it, we're going to be playing as the Marauders during the beta. When he says real close, we're talking like one or two votes. Yeah, it was it like, was quite close. It was neck and neck. I was surprised. I was surprised got a too. Vote at one point. We I, I talked to some people as well and they said, Yeah, syndicate all the way and then certainly <laughs> out of nowhere, Marauders sneak up and Out of nowhere, I'm I think so, people I'm are so just bad. trolling us. <laughs> I, I think that's what is going on, but No, well so w- like I said earlier, we're going to have some syndicate secret operatives, you know, amongst the uh, company. We'll, That's right. Who will yeah. rise up before launch and we'll, 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 take we'll undermine the Marauders <laughs> some within. <laughs> because we will do it again before launch, just so you know. We're going to be doing we'll another vote. Yeah. It'll heavily depend on what other factions are popular on the server we're playing on. Um, we'll take that to account uh, during the next vote. But uh, um, 
But yeah, we're looking forward to uh, playing as Marauders, at least during the beta. And I'm looking forward to playing as Syndicate at launch. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I even, I think we mentioned before, and I just want to emphasize this. Like, I, I'm super excited to play Marauders. I think they have the best aesthetics and all that kind of stuff. But one, we're going to see how this actually plays in the game. And two, I actually would rather play the underdog faction than the dominant faction. So if Marauders yes. ends up being, like, covering the entire map of Eternum during the during the beta in green, then I'm going to be like, mm, okay, let's go syndicate because I want to, I want to fight for our ground and have to, I like that play more than I like being like, we're the dominant, we control everything and you can't do anything about it. I like yeah. being the underdog. I like that, that fight back. And I'm, I'm fairly certain, you know, after launch, let's say we choose a faction and it turns out that it becomes the most dominant faction. I'm sure our company would heavily consider switching, but you know, that that's the, so that too. was yeah. something we discussed, but that's something we would, we would probably be interested in. That's 120 days after launch, which reminds me, um, when this launches on the 20th, if you want to be if you want to be involved with us, be be sure that you're plugged in uh, to our um, our Discord because it will be telling you what server will be on, what the name of the um, company will be, and we'll all get formed because that opening little bit is going to kind of be a mad dash, uh, and we want to make sure that everyone gets an invite that wants to get one. So, um, I think we're good there. Yes. Yep. So. Let's talk about when beta releases, right? Um, the entire of Eternum is completely up for grabs. And you and your mates are going to run out there and you're going to get as much cash as you can, as fast as you can, give it all to one person who's going to turn it in. Uh, you'll form your company. Companies are very easy to form. Um, and then you'll give it to one man and that man will, or, or gal, and she'll turn it in uh, to claim a territory. Once a territory has been purchased with gold, a good amount of gold, it then can only be taken by combat, right? Everything after that becomes a territory war. So at the very beginning, it's a mad dash to get the territories. Uh, after that, it's game on, right? It's, it's territory wars, it's wrestling for control, uh, and so on. So Oh, I just thought I wonder. Well, okay, two two thoughts here, real quick. If one, I wonder how expensive it's going to be to purchase a territory. I'm sure they want it to be somewhat realistic for new players to buy it because you know they want people to start controlling territories early on. But but it would be sick if you could actually purchase territory, you know, later on act from another faction because there's. I don't know if the, how realistic that is. It's not like this is a oh, completely player driven economy. Right, yeah, it's not like this is Eve, but, you know, that would be sick if you could, you know, purchase territory uh, instead of go to war. But, you know, I, maybe it's not realistic. It just was a thought I had. Um, because be after after launch, that's not going to matter anymore. You know, it's just for the launch, purchasing right. well, the initial territories. The launch and maybe patch, you know, 1.5 is a patch where they open up two new t territories. And suddenly it's a right. mad dash for those two territories. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. So it won't, it won't be – that system will be used in the future. I think – I like that. I like the idea that I could sell off the territory if I was done with it because when you own a territory, it's actually fairly expensive to maintain it. You've got to pay a weekly upgrade fee or else the crafting stations inside your, um, inside your town start to downgrade. And if you're a max level – if you're at max level, you want those crafting stations to be as high as they can so you can craft the top level gear and hopefully get really, really great stuff and sell it and make a ton of money. So, so it would make sense then if there was some sort of 
potential option to sell and buy territories. You let's yep. say your guild starts, you know, people start leaving, you mismanaged your your company um and you can't afford the territory instead of like going through the whole war process, you could sell it. Sell but, it but but then some factions there might be some, you know, factions that miss out on having a chance at getting that territory, but they just go back and undermine it, you know, the Well, the, and, that's, and that's and that's the owns it. I I think that a ton of people are going to be fighting for the territories oh, yeah. and putting them in conflict. So even if you were to sell it, it'd uh, still be in conflict. Yeah. The, yeah. the conquest of the land of Eternum, I think is going to be very, that'd be cool. I don't want to deal with this war. I don't want to deal with it. You can, someone else can deal with it. And they're like, yeah, well, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. The Louise, um, the Louisiana purchase in new world, you know, that's, <laughs> oh, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> you know, like, sell like, off a third of the land. <laughs> that's to, very, uh, right. The other faction, there the syndicate, go. you know, yeah. That's right. Oh, that would be very cool. Um, so uh, throughout the game, just so we're clear, there are two different – inside each territory, there is a settlement and there is a fort. And they're typically a good distance apart from each other. At that fort, um, when the corrupted attempts to take your fort, that's called an invasion. And that's like a PvE uh, event um, that people can queue for. Uh and when people overthrow your territory, that's called a territory war, and that's what we're talking about. Uh, so this is specifically a PvP, and other factions coming in to take it. So let's talk about our goal today is to chat about the actual gameplay. What does this feel like? How does it play inside the combat? But let's just take a moment to talk about how, how you're getting there. So we've talked about this a little bit. I just want to brush on it one more time. When you want a territory, uh, you're going to go do faction PvP missions in that territory uh, to try and wrestle control for it. And there'll be these gauges for your specific factions. So uh, we're playing Marauders for beta. Uh, let's say we're going after a Covenant territory. Well, we'll have a, a bar that starts at 100%. It's in complete control by the Covenant. As we start to do PvP missions, we'll start to whittle that number down until it gets all the way down and it becomes in conflict. How the Covenant negate this is they do PvP missions and they shut down our PvP missions. They go to the places to defend their territory to make sure that we can't accomplish our goals. Because when you do a PvP mission, if you die once, you've failed all your PvP missions. So it's it's if they have someone out there who's doing some work trying to defend their territory, they'll be able to... Uh, get some work done to delay the inevitable, right? Um, but in time, that will whittle away. It'll then be in conflict, and and our company can then declare war on this territory. Now, any company in our faction, once we've wrestled control, can declare war. And when you are, you're signed up for uh, the war that will happen. And that territory war is going to happen at a specific time period that has been preset by the defender before you even declared war. So they may say, hey, you can declare war on this as the covenant. The covenant's here on this territory. They say, yeah, you can declare war on us, um, but you can only declare war. Uh, you can declare war on us, but you can only declare war between the hours of, of 8 to 9 p.m. Uh, because that's when all of our people are online. And you kind of have to adjust for that if you're coming in. So once... Once your faction has finally put them in conflict, you and all, and anyone else in your faction can then declare war on them, and you'll be signed up for this war to take the territory, right? And whoever had contributed the most is has the highest chance of being called the Vanguard, and the Vanguard will be the company who will take control uh, once they've won the conflict what this means is if you're in a company of 10 15 people and there's a company of 100 people also with you 
but you really want to take a territory and you did those PvP missions, there's still a chance that you become the vanguard uh, and you can and you can take that territory for yourself. So everyone gets a gets a shot at it. It's all about who has contributed the most gets a higher chance of being able to be a part of it. So uh, you're attacking. You've got people together. And once you said, hey, we're going to declare war. We've picked our time uh, or we, we're doing the time the defender has decided. Now it is opened up saying, hey, there's a 48-hour window. And I believe it's 48 hours. There's a, there's a set amount of time before this event happens. Start signing people up. Uh, and your company can sign up. Uh, you can hire mercenaries from the faction that's not involved with this territory war to come fight with you. Um, so there's ways that you can participate in wars, even if you have nothing to deal with it, just because you like the gameplay, which I think is fantastic. Um, but ultimately, you'll sign up and 50 people will get to pick. And whoever the vanguard is, they get to select out of everybody who signs up for this war who they want to group up into this instance thing. Groups of five, boom, 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 until you have 50 people and you're ready to go, and the battle starts at 9 p.m. a few days from then, and you're ready to go. You start loading in, and invites go out. Which I will say is, uh, you mentioned how you can organize. Uh, you'll you'll have you'll have this in-game menu option to organize all the players from your roster into their separate groups, and it looks fantastic. I thought it was. Yeah. I was wondering if you'd have to do that internally uh, amongst your company, or you know, through a Discord server or something beforehand. Um, but you know, now this makes it much easier if you have to accept a few mercenaries from outside your company or outside, uh, you know, the the neutral faction. Um, you can organize them easily into groups and uh, go from there. It looks really cool. I'm really excited to play around with that and. Um, see how that works yeah, yeah i'm i'm glad that they have something in game but my hope is still people will um hop in a discord or some sort of voice communication for that company so they can still coordinate their efforts uh during the actual war uh i i don't know i, I feel like that would be make it more fun especially oh. as you have people talking about strategies and what they're doing and yeah how to counteract what the enemy is doing and um Right, we'll talk about more of the tactics during the war, but I feel like whichever side is going to be the most coordinated is going to come out victorious here. Oh, I agree. I was just going to say that I imagine the most competitive companies are going to be sending out their Discord links to any randos Oh, joining. absolutely. I, um, I know we uh, we will for sure. We would probably so. do that because it's much better to be coordinated in, in, in a, you know. Well, what I'm hoping to see is that let's say – in our company, we've only got 15 guys who can actually show up for the war. And so we're going to pug out the other 35 people who have signed up, right? And some of them are not max level, but whatever. We'll take any warm body that we can get and throw them in our war. I'm hoping that the 15 people that we have being coordinated is enough to make a difference with the other 35 complete chaotic people playing, right? Um, coordinated, I agree with you, though, that whoever's the most coordinated might be by your winner. But let's talk about how you actually play this territory war. Because so, it's a 50-on-50 conflict. That's a lot of people. That's going to be very difficult to organize. Um, but essentially, what you have to do if you're the attacker is you have to break into the fort and capture its claim point, which is in the middle, in the walls, behind the gates. Uh, and you have to do it in a set amount of time. To do this, when the game begins, you're going to have a war camp or a war armory, right? And it's going to be set back a ways. 
And the first thing you have to do is you have to rush up and you have to capture three different points, A, B, and C. Those three rally points have to be captured before you can break down the gates and charge in. Once you've captured them, then the gates will then be vulnerable. You can start to break the gates. Once you're inside, and I think there are three gates per fort, one on the northeast, you know, kind of like one right ahead, one on the left, one on the right uh, kind of approach. Once you've broken down the gates, it's who can claim that center point. And it's a very cool effect where you've got uh, musket men and, and, and archers up on the battlements shooting down and, you know, fireballs being thrown. Uh, and so you have all this effect happening, people with, with these big warhammers slamming on the gates. Um, it feels very epic, you know, and very busy. So amidst all this... You as an individual are going to be earning, and you'll start the game with a with a cache of these, but you'll be earning something called battle tokens. And as the attacker and as the defender, you can spend your battle tokens at your armory, at the war camp, or in the fort to gain access to special potions, ammunition, and even siege weapons to help in your conflict. Now, the use of these siege weapons are going to be very important. When we talked about the coordinating your attack... Coordinating when you're going to be deploying your siege weapons, I think, is going to be very paramount. Because if you suddenly deploy 10 different siege weapons, as opposed to being one siege weapon sporadically every five minutes, those 10 that get deployed at the exact same time, I think, are going to be far more effective. So what are those siege weapons? Well, as an attacker, uh, you can get a cannon which has like a medium rate of fire, does a high damage, is really good versus structures and taking out the defender's siege weapons. You have a fire launcher. It's this flaming projectile that bursts on impact and covers the area. Kind of looks like a motor. Uh, it's really good versus infantry and the ranged enemies who might be up on the ramparts. And a repeater, which fires, ra it's like a rapid fire turret. Uh, and it's ideal versus quick moving small targets like individuals that you want to kind of mow down. So that's what you get as the attacker. As defenders, you get almost the same things. They're a little bit different. You get a ballista which is the defender's version of a cannon, really good at taking out the enemy's siege equipment, an explosive cannon that actually uh, it disrupts and knocks back all enemies. It's really strong versus infantry. It's a great area of denial. A repeater, just as the, the defenders had, or attackers had. And you also get two unique ones as being defenders. You get a fire dropper. You get to pour like molten lava down off of your ramparts onto the gates below to kill anyone who's trying to like siege your gates. Um, and you also get a Horn of Resilience, which is this healing defensive buff to allies, but it has a really long cooldown. Again, something you don't want some rando to just go blow the horn. You're like, we were saving that for our final push. Thanks a lot for ruining that. Both the attackers and defenders get access to Inferno Mines and Powder Kegs. Inferno Mines are a proximity mine that bursts and covers an area of fire, a good area denial. And Powder Kegs, which, unlike Sea of Thieves, these won't detonate if they're destroyed early. They have a fuse that must be lit manually. It has a long duration before it goes off, but is the highest damage of any siege weapon. It's very powerful versus gates, but you've got to protect them. So, attackers, defenders, they're buying, they're using their battle tokens to buy these siege equipments, to buy potions, ammo, whatever they need for this conflict, to push these rally points, break down the gates, and claim that post. If you're the vanguard and you guys accomplished it, guess what? You get a bunch of points. Uh, you guys take over the territory. And now you're in charge of paying the taxes uh, associated with that territory. But you also get to collect taxes, such as property taxes, uh, trade taxes, all these different kinds of things that you now get to set. You're now in control and you get that territory uh, for at least 48 hours or until you lose control again. So 
That is the rush. And I think to go back to what you guys are talking about, there's a lot to coordinate here, right? Like that's a lot that if you have a bunch of random people running around, it's not going to be nearly as effective as if you say, hey, group one, you're on cannons. Group two, you're on repeaters. We're going to drop at the exactly five minutes. Go. That's a big yeah. difference. Oh, that's huge, huge difference. I mean, I have trouble managing a 20-man group in PvE content where, you know, the same thing is going to happen over and over and over again, let alone 50 people in a PvP scenario <laughs> that's ever-changing. Like, it's going to be chaos. Um, and so w whichever side, I think, can coordinate their efforts better, whichever side can outflank the other one, or, you know, maybe pull off a sneak attack or, or something like that, is, is going to be the victor here. Um, they have a lot of really cool ideas. I, I like the siege weapons and, and things like that. I, I'm i hoping for more variety with these in the future. Like, I'd, I'd love to see the attackers get something maybe like a battering ram or, or something like that. Or just oh, a few, few awesome. more things. Yeah. Yeah. Just a few more things to, to keep it interesting so you don't see the exact same tactics over and over again. Because as, the more you play it, people are going to realize some strategies are going to... Um, be better than other ones and uh it could start to feel a bit monotonous at a that meta point. will evolve start to evolve yeah it, it, yeah, it absolutely no. could so I, I i think you know more options for attackers and defenders um will help keep it um keep keep it interesting keep it fresh and uh you know i don't know exactly how the battle tokens uh are accumulated over time but I, I, you know, if you have to spend them, I think that should hopefully help make some meaningful choices uh, on on trying to counterplay what the enemy team is yeah. doing. Right. So, and that just means more more options will create more counterplay opportunities. So, well, and that that's what I was thinking is just more choices for the players in general in this type of, um, in this type of war in this type of uh, instance PvP. Uh, I think will be better. Um, I I would even like to see you have to capture all three points, right? Uh, Slacker A, B, and C before yeah, you can see the of gates. Them. Correct. Yeah, it would be. I you know I I wonder if it would be better to have you know three that you could capture two of the points, right? Or or four points and you can capture three, just just so there's variety in the strategies you implement based on how the defense is set up and how you want to plan your attack because because ultimately what i want from this is is a story to tell right i want i want to be able to go into this war and actually feel like it's a big battle it's the it's the final uh culmination of this this long effort we've had in putting in, into undermining this territory and putting it into conflict declaring war and finally having this battle i wanted to feel grand i wanted to feel like we can walk away and say, "Oh my gosh, the strategy worked perfectly," or we had to adapt during the battle. Uh, that final push that Slacker made with his group, uh, you know, onto the left gate was just awesome because that won us the the battle. Something like that. Because I don't want it to, like Ruko said, to end up becoming the same thing over and over. We all have to buy repeaters because repeaters are the best siege weapon anything else sucks right it, go repeaters and go ham on one gate and you know whatever the strategy is, you know is i i just hope there's variety i hope it feels like um it's different every time based on the tactics employed by the specific uh company you're going up against um i want there to be stories coming out of this and i do have concerns that you know with it being a 30 minute 
instance PvP session being the culmination, right, of this this uh, this war. Um, you know, I hope that it doesn't feel like a battleground. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I well, I, I think that. What we have to remember is this is the most vanilla that this territory war is ever going to be because it is the focal point of New World. It is the big selling point, I think, uh, that they have going for them. And there's a lot that they can do with this. I mean, even the the landscape around the fort is the exact same. You can take your company out before the war ever happens and scout out the land and say, hey, there's this big ridge over here. What we're going to do is we're going to sneak up a bunch of stuff behind this ridge and pop up. You could you can even practice. Practices some stuff of this stuff out. So I'd love to see some sort of uh, interaction with the land around it. Maybe you're actually you could build out your fort a little bit more how you want it. Or I, I know that you'll be able to as defenders, you'll have the opportunity to do town projects to increase specific strengths of your gates of your walls. I, I'm almost positive. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive that might be outpost rush, and we'll dive into that here in just a minute. But I agree. I want to see that story take unfold. I want to see that that excitement overflow and i want you to feel like we've when you lose be like oh man we've lost it we've got to get it back and i bet you we can do it that's a good feeling to have to wrestle for control because remember you'll have set up a player home this will be a a spot you constantly are recalling to you're doing your crafting at you're going to make one of these settlements feel very like this is my base of operations this is where i like to be And I want to make sure that my faction's in control because we get good benefits when we're in control, even if it's not my company. So there's a sense of loyalty of wanting to make sure that you have, um, that your faction is, is leading the charge. I think it sets up for that nicely. So, uh, I guess what I'm saying is, is I think it will have those story elements, but as it stands right now, it has a lot of potential to grow into that. Right. Yeah. Um, and I agree, I share the concern that I don't want this to be, and we'll talk about this more here in a minute, I don't want this to be World of Warcraft's Alteric Valley, where you have this really cool event where there's two kings and castles, and you got to go down, you got to capture outposts, and if you collect enough blood and you turn it in, you can make a sacrifice and summon this giant stone golem, and in reality, all that happens is people just run right by each other and go kill the other king, and whoever can kill it fastest wins. Yeah. It's like... Like zero PvP happens in that battleground because that's just not the optimal way to do it. Um, well, we know for I sure hate that we know for sure that there will be PvP in this in this in this uh, instance, right? Um, oh yeah, but and I agree, it has to be right, exactly. And I agree with you that it's it's set up for it, the, the potential is there, and I'm mostly I am I am very excited to be doing this. Um, you know, obviously. I want this game to succeed and I want this to feel like this is the moment, right? Like this is a huge event. Hopefully that 30 minutes will feel very impactful. And um, I think, I think ultimately it's set up for, for success, but um, with, we'll see what happens and how the meta evolves and, and how the developers can adapt to that. Right. And, and try to make it better so that players have, but I think ultimately give more choices to the players, make an environment where there are actual strategic and important choices to make during the battle, and I think it'll be successful and fun. What I'd love to see, just how I envision this in my in my mind's eye, is we're in our company. Uh, we've got 15, 20 people in Discord. Uh, the rest has just kind of been chaotic. We're not winning, and finally we decide, hey, everyone, don't respawn. Wait, wait until everyone can be in the in the camp before we respawn. We're gonna go out the A door. 
four or five of us have weapons that we're ready to use or, or siege weapons. Make sure let's pick up a, one cannon, three repeaters to clear the ground, and we're going to make a bum rush right now. And boom, and everyone runs out. And imagine being the defender and looking out there and seeing just a sudden rush of all these people going to the right side and be like, they're going for A, they're going for A. And everyone's like trying to, you know, you've already set down your siege equipment. So like you weren't expecting this sudden rush and they've put down their siege. I can just see how exciting that would be to see this, this, this ebb and flow and this push and pull. Um, yeah. But when things go into practice, okay, no, it's always very different. But man, the potential is there. And we're going to find out what that I potential hope, is like. Before I hope to week. see some cool strategies being pulled out of the hats of, of smart players. I really do. I hope if, if I were to lose to a smart company that actually employs really good tactical decisions during the battle, I'd be like, you know what? You I'm deserve this that. territory yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at that point. But I'd be, I'd be happy with that. I don't want to, I don't want to lose, you know, just because they, they played the meta, you know, <laughs> yep. anyway, but that's just, that's just me. And that's another topic, I guess, uh, for another time. <laughs> well, let's move down to the second instance PVP combat because territory wars will not be happening all the happening all the time in fact when you open up your map you'll be able to see on the right hand side when different invasions and wars will be happening around you and, and in the Terranum. so you could go and sign up for those but mind you that those i mean you'll maybe be doing one or two of these a week or so these are not constantly done so it's like oh, i really am, I, i'm really wanting some of that combat because it's such a cool system well they've created what's called outpost rush outpost rush is a pvpve end game 20 versus 20 battle where teams must coordinate and balance their time gathering resources, building up their outposts, capturing objectives, and defeating the enemy players. So the level 60 players can jump into outpost rush, you can jump in by yourself, or in a, in a group of up to five players, and you, you, okay, so here's what you do. One, you collect resources as soon as the game begins, boom, and it's whoever can score the most amount of points in a set amount of time, right? So capturing um there are three different like command posts and you'll start with one and the enemy will start with one there's one in the middle you have yours you can start gathering resources to upgrade and defend your outpost you we're talking gates siege equipments protection wards uh which is like respawn availability command posts which are buffs so you go out there, you start using your crafting skills and bring them back to base start improving your base to make it harder for the enemy to capture two there is going to be a summoning circles that you could use to bring powerful creatures onto your side. You go up to the summoning circles and you can summon a bear or you can summon a thing of the corrupted, or not the corrupted, we're going to talk about them in a second, but you summon those and they're going to start pushing your lane very much like a, uh, a League a of Legends. Like yeah, yeah, thank you. A MOBA, yeah. yeah. Um, but we are, the, we are the minions, right? <laughs> um, and then... So you have these summoning circles. They can summon creatures that the opponents will have to kill in order to get there. Um, you collect Azoth Essence, and you can make an offering at a corrupted portal. If you do that, you're going to get like a, a big buff. You'll get a powerful advantages. Um, and finally, periodically, the Baroness Hain will appear, and she's this ghostly lost uh, individual who's kind of like a boss. If you kill her, you're granted a powerful buff, and you freeze the enemy score. So you might need this. You say, oh my gosh, they're just about to win. You kill Baron, just like you would in other 
popular MOBAs, and suddenly the tide turns in your favor. Baroness. 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 Excuse me. Baroness. (laughs) Which I think is really cool. So this is kind of this tug of war. You're scoring points based on how much territory you've, you've gained. And it's all about balancing your time on what you need to do to push uh, your victory. Now, one other cool aspect, or not cool aspect, however you see it, fact about Baroness is that the person who gains that powerful buff or freezes the enemy score is the last hit that killed it. So you, when you take down Baroness, you've got to guard your own people and make sure someone doesn't sneak up in the bushes and you have a sniper with a musket who pops off the last shot and suddenly steals it for the other team, which I think would be... You know, it sounds a lot about... like League of Legends. It sounds a lot like... It does. Like, this specific yeah. mechanic of it very much does. Right, right. But well, I think this allows what you were after was those story moments. Yeah, yeah. It's an, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying it's a good thing because there there are a lot... There, there's a lot in this in this um, outpost rush. There's a lot going on in this battleground, and I like that. Again, there's options available. Uh, you know, the, the the questions I have is: Do you have to do a little bit of everything? Do you have to do a little collecting resources and upgrading stuff, or can you focus on one thing and and maybe you know uh, surprise the enemy because you focus it so hard? You win. But um, to clarify, real quick, Slacker, the, you're accumulating points as you do things, right? And then it's whoever can reach the most points first wins right or the cap first isn't that how correct this is correct. Played? okay and by controlling these one if you so each one starts by controlling one outpost and those are going to tick you points and there's one unclaimed one in the middle so if you can control the middle outpost you will win because you've got two out of three right okay yeah no okay. i think it sounds great i think uh I think I think I, I like that there's a lot going into it. There's PVE elements and PvP elements. Um, the 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 only two questions I have is one, how long is this supposed to last? And two, what is the is the purpose of it only just a fun PvP mode that you can play occasionally? Or is there actual in-game consequences for doing an outpost rush and and those are my two questions i would i would have there are in-game consequences between the outpost rush the more you win by the bigger the payout of your reward so money if it is you're gonna well you're gonna get a reward i am trying to see if i can find out exactly what that reward is that may be something that they're kind of keeping under their hat until beta releases so we'll find out exactly what it's rewarding my assumption would be would be money azoth um and maybe even uh uh, highly valuable crafting materials that you could sell um that would be my assumption um very few things in the game are going to be awarding gear yes you will get gear from some things but your main source of gear is going to be crafted by players and we'll get more into that next episode when we talk more about the economic system well i i'm i'm really excited for this game mode this is right up my alley i i generally like pvpve game modes uh though a lot of them don't pan out particularly well this one sounds great it sounds really well thought out of um i i think what i am or I think people are going to enjoy is they they don't necessarily have to do the PVE stuff within within the game to win. If you're really good at PVP, you can win this game mode by just outplaying the uh, the other company yeah. in yeah. PVP. Uh, that's usually one of the big complaints um, about some of these game modes is oh the only viable way to win is to go do the PVE objectives 
as well as engage in the PvP. And, and, and that's a fair assessment, but um, I, I don't think it's going to be like this. I, I think you can kind of choose and uh, react to what the team is doing and not necessarily have to do just PvP or just PvE in order to win this game mode. So um, I'm hoping it's fast-paced. I like these fast-paced game modes, and I, I hope, um, like Big Papa was talking about, I, I hope it's the time is not overly long, uh, but it's but it's enough to create some tension, and uh, you have enough time to to revolve around some strategies. Uh, so, well, and and more importantly for me too is is I want this to matter in game. You know, and I don't know if uh, I just had an idea, and it would be sick if this outpost rush is something you could, um, let's say you have an enemy company undermining you, right, and trying to put you in conflict in your territory. So you you propose an outpost rush, right? Or you, you say, okay, we're going to do an outpost rush with this company. They can choose to accept or decline. If they decline, they lose some of their influence towards undermining it. But if they if they accept, you go into this outpost rush, and then whoever the winner Ooh. is will will either take back influence, will gain more influence towards either defending it or or undermining it. That would be sick, and you know maybe that's one way you can as a as a company defend your territory is say okay this ter this company is has the most influence towards undermining it. We're going to declare an outpost rush to try to stop them a little bit. And they can decline it, but they'll lose some. You know, they'll lose some just for for declining it, and and that would make sense in in the real real world, right? You would there would be outposts before you go and take the actual headquarters of the territory, right? There would be places you'd have to take strategically in a war to before you can potentially take the actual prize, right? But anyway, that that's just an idea. I I don't know if that's reality or anything, but I think that would be a real cool uh, way to affect the actual game um, in a with a PvP instance mode. Yeah, I, I think it'd be it, awesome. It, it would be it would be really, really cool. Um, and, and that could be definitely part of, you know, undermining the territories. You have to win a couple outposts rush and then finally you can do this big war or, or something like that. Um, I, I know the way they have it set up, it's not like that. It's just instance PvP battleground type thing. Um, but I, I think this is the only other instance PvP battleground they they have other than the war. Right. And, yes. and so I, I'm hoping it provides enough or, uh, or it's fun enough that people won't get bored uh, doing it. Right. I, I think this is um, coming back to how you keep people engaged once they're max level. People will do this game mode a few times and hopefully uh, once they've done it, they're not just saying, OK, well, I'm done. With this right. now, what do I do? I agree. Right. I, that's why you need real world consequences for it, and that's that's why that's that's the most important thing to me is I want I want this to matter so I can so so I see it being done more often because it sounds fun. It sounds fun, but ultimately, like I rarely do battlegrounds when I play World of Warcraft just because it's you know it's I, I love doing them, but I you know there's not there's not a lot of consequence that really like nothing, nothing meaningful really happens. It's at just the end a of reward. It. It's just a reward. Yeah, exactly. And I don't want this to end up being just a reward. It sounds fun and it sounds like it would be a blast to play, but you know, there's a lot of other games that do this like, like league of legends, Some, something similar, obviously a different type of game, but it's, it's that same kind of PVP VE because you have the jungle and the different buffs you can get, you know, and you could argue that it's because they only focus on that. It's, it might be done better than in an MMO, right? But um, 
But if this matters in game, if this has real world consequences in your territory, you know, for doing this, then I could see it being played all the time, and I would love that. Well, allow me to play devil's advocate for just a second. I, at the same time, I agree with you. I think that would be the best way to implement it. At the same time, I'm okay having something that just kind of breaks up my day. Something I like, ah, I, I kind of don't want to go grinding out my, my uh, crafting that I'm trying to get done today. I'm, I'm going to go do a now post rush. Well, do and both. And have it be do something it that ways. I can just enjoy on the side. Yeah. I'm, sure. But what I'm saying is like, I, I'm okay having some sort of mini game on the side where I can just play my character. I can I can enjoy the rewards that I've had. Fair and enough. not worry about it being like a rated PvP system or something where if I do, I'm going to hurt my people. Just something I can I can. Right. Well, I guess what I would there's certainly a balance there. To clarify, I would say that should have that purpose in addition to being oh I just want to sign up for an outpost rush. I don't you know not not a specific territory one right. And this is all obviously just an idea, but yeah, in a real I would say you should have the option to queue up for one and or do it in with consequences. You know, Um, it would give it more meaning in my opinion. All I'm hearing is Slacker is afraid of rated PvP. So, uh... <laughs> rated PvP is one of my favorites, dude. I, I love rated PvP. Rarely do I find someone who is also max level who wants to do rated PvP. I always find Big Papa who's willing to do rated PvP, but he's never max level. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. 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 Low blows. Okay. All right. Moving right along. Um, let's talk about our next segment here, uh, a little bit more about our lore. Um, I wanted to dive into one of the, before we get into beta, I wanted to talk about an essence that is throughout a Terranum and really gives it a lot of what makes a Terranum so special. So Azoth is a mineral that runs below the earth, which has this really magical archaic properties. Archaic? Arcanic properties. I think that's the word I'm looking for. And it amplifies things. So you can see this in one of the trailers. It's in this blue vial. And and, and this guy, like, tips uh, a drop of Azoth onto a candle. And the, the candle, like, burns extra bright. So what it does is, whether you're good or whether you're bad, it amplifies those qualities quite intensely. Um, now, this has the power to change things, to make them more beautiful, and even to make them more deadly. And so... Everyone who kind of comes across this resource um, sees it differently. Some see it as the Fountain of Youth, uh, the Philosopher's Stone. Some see it as the embodiment of God, like the Covenant. Or they may even consider it to be of the devil. Regardless, um, meanwhile, while this is happening and we're trying to discover the secrets of what Azoth really is and the effects that it has in the world around us, the corruption is amassing huge armies in the north. Very much a, a Game of Thrones situation here, right? Where the Night Walker is up in the north and, 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 he's, and he's building his army and, he's, and they're growing massively more and more every day. We're having that same effect. And their influence is beginning to trickle down south, which is where we've set up shop. Um, the players, us, we've become stranded on a Terranum, or maybe we found it on purpose. Maybe we're here by accident. But regardless, we're trying to set up a home here uh, and, and build a life for ourselves in a Terranum, 
But the forces of corruption have a very particular idea of how the power of Eternum is to be used. And because of this, they continue to evade further and further south. And our biggest concern is that should the corrupted overcome all of Eternum, it would seep back into the old world and corrupt it as well. So we are kind of this, this last bastion between the corrupted and the end of the world and this influence called Azoth. So it leads me into kind of questioning a couple of things. So the questions I have just off the bat is, what could be the possible relationship between Azoth and the corrupted? If Azoth is something that magically amplifies things, Who's to say that there's not something evil that's being amplified and has created all this corruption? You know, I think that's that's something that could happen. Well, I'm sure there absolutely is. So, and I'm sure we're going to encounter that in some of these PVE uh, content, some of these stuff that's been been amplified by Azoth. So, um, well, I, certainly uh, the way it evil. feels. Yeah. My yeah, hard to connect absolutely. the dots behind the scene. Yeah, my thoughts are that the corrupt, corrupted is Azoth, right? Like, it's just corrupted, <laughs> you know, that, in the name, right? I, I wonder if they're just using it for more nefarious purposes, and then it manifests as, you know, you have these corrupted. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, it, it could be like that. My, I think my biggest question right now is, why are we not being adversely affected by it compared to a lot of the stuff in we find in the world? Everything from, you know, from the animals to the land itself is being corrupted by this, but how are we able to withstand that, and why? What what makes us special, I guess, and and how we're able to resist it? Okay, if we think about some of the lore that we've seen thus far, I think that we might be able to pinpoint some of those answers because in the trailer we see that these Roman legions get there and they're trying to touch this gem, and once they've touched that gem that Isabella is now wearing, they become corrupted. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, there's some contact point that when you hit it. You, you're gone, you're you're a goner. I I think that there's that that cor- that that corruption is less like a um a like like the power of the One Ring from Lord of the Rings, how it like it subtly corrupts you and then ton- and then over time you're gone, and more of a plague situation where you're trying to keep it at bay, you're trying to keep it away, but if you catch it, you're you're toast. I I think that's what it yeah. might be. Yeah. I yeah no that 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 seems to be the, based on what we've seen in you know the the trailers and some of the uh, the videos so far that seems to be the case. Uh, it, I wonder if it depends on the the actual intent of the uh, person touching it or using it. Right, um, uh, it seems like when you become corrupted, you kind of become mindless. You know, you're not. You kind of become almost like a drone. It looks like, but Isabella. On the other hand, seems fully functional. She looks like she's corrupted. She seems like she's fully um, coherent and uh, knowledgeable of what her actions are. So I wonder, I wonder how how it affects the user, and then I wonder if it depends on the heart or the intent of the person that's touching it, you know, or that comes it, into it, contact with it. And, and and more so is is maybe it's even not even what's touching the corrupted, but what's touching the Azoth. Because you even have this whole other faction, sort of, Angry Earth, that is, I think, obviously amplified by the power of Azoth. So, for example, we talked about seeing that, like, that stone bear in the trailer and and the the stag that's, like, huge. Those, I think, from what I've discerned so far, 
must be affected by Azov, and they've been amplified in that capacity. While corruption's been amplified in its own capacity, I think to find more about that, we've got to delve into the Shattered Mountain. Yeah. I'll, I'll, let me just say, I, I really like the um, the idea they went for here with Azoth being a substance that amplifies, and I think that, that I think that's a really cool idea. I don't I don't I can't think of anything that kind of does the same thing in any other IP that I off the top of my head. So I just wanted to make that note here. I like the idea of something that amplifies whatever that means, whether for good or bad, it amplifies, makes it makes makes that sort uh, its source stronger, you know, like making a, a candle burn brighter. I think that's a really cool idea. Mm. So to build on this, I have a a theory, right? And I think my theory is kind of obvious, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Um, and so this is not coming from any of, of the gameplay that I've partake, partook in, but just out of my own mind, is here's what I think has happened. I think that Azoth is something that was contained and managed by this group of people called the Ancients. And we've seen remnants of the Ancient throughout all of Eternum. And you see their their um, their statues and their architecture in all the trailers in, in in the deep dives. They're a really common place, and everyone's kind of wondering what were they, what happened to them. And my assumption, and maybe this is just the easy answer, but my assumption is that they lost control of the corrupted, and the corrupted broke free of their grasp, or they just went away, and then nothing was able to contain the corrupted anymore. Azoth and the Ancients and the Corrupted are all intertwined, uh, and and I think that I think that the Ancients could have been wardens against the corruption with Azoth using Azoth, but now have fallen, and we're dealing with the fallout of missing Ancients. Maybe I'm wrong because I'm thinking of the trailer, and on that trailer, you have this ancient. Um, statue and he's face up and the stone's all brand new and you see the stag and the bear and over time it like does like this quick montage and do 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 this statue becomes absolutely decayed and destroyed on on its side and that's when the roman shoulder soldiers show up and they grab the gem out of the forehead of this ancient statue and become corrupted some there's some sort of warding happening here that has been broken uh, and we may need to replace or fix or you know mitigate somehow yeah, that absolutely could be the case, and you know, you know, if that is the case, the question would be, how do we do that? I feel like we know so little about it, or at least going into the world, um, because it's literally called New World. We don't have a ton of information about this. So this it's going to take some time to figure out how we can drive back the corrupted or or keep it at bay effectively, um, and maybe uncovering some of the secrets from the ancients. If if your theory is correct, could be the key to doing that. Yeah. And, and they're the ones that built the machine that is the island of Eternum. <laughs> it's not a machine, it's a turtle. Uh, oh, no. There's still one driving it as we speak. <laughs> I think that um, I, what, I, what I really like about the lore is that it kind of gives me a zombie apocalypse feel where if the nature doesn't kill you, the other cohabitants will. Right. If the world of Eternum doesn't kill you, the other players will kill you. And I like that. That's like mm. danger on every front. Yeah. You're really trying to safeguard yourself and your people. But the reality is, while you're trying to fight off this corruption, the biggest enemy is your next door neighbor. It uh, would feel even more so that way 
if it was full loot PvP. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yes, it would. It would. And maybe we'll see some sort of return back to a more looted PvP system. Um, but I know that it was at one point a full loot PvP, and they were like, okay, that might be a bit too punishing. Yeah, it would Yeah, it, no, I, I still feel like there should be areas where you you want to party up to go out, you know, you want to be careful and smart and it's risky to go out. Um, but you know, we'll see how, how that evolves over time. It, it would be nice to see some sort of play like Albion online where specific territories have the best crafting materials, but it is full loot PvP. Right. But yes. you can only get there if you're level 60. So you can't, you know, uh, bug people who are like level four and like, Hey, I got lucky and I got a piece. No, you're dead. Uh, nah, there's like a, a, a place where you could go for that. I, I think that's reasonable. If the community at large requests it for sure. Well, I'll play devil's advocate here because anyone who's played world of Warcraft on a PVP server knows it's entirely possible to just get continually camped by the same player over and over again and not be able to get anything done. And while, uh, you know, while you might still have a little bit of that in this game in World PvP, I I do you really need to all add insult to injury by taking all their loot every time they come back? I I, I don't know. <laughs> I I've never been a huge fan of the full loot PvP systems, um, just because it feels like you already got bested. You don't need to have these people loot your corpse and take all your progression. Uh, with them you, you already yeah. got humiliated enough uh, that's that's my opinion um that's kind I, of that's a valid I, concern. I've never, yeah that's why yeah, they changed it, it. it i mean that's that's why because sure. people were getting griefed and they were losing all this progress yeah. you know that they had made um so it's a very valid concern and i'm not necessarily saying i'm for full loot uh, you know uh, even half loot or one loot you know i whatever you want to call it you know some sort of punishment for now we're talking of course slacker and i are talking about specific areas that are dangerous so you know going in it's like the um the wilds in runescape i I don't think you guys ever played runescape but it's an area it's the only area where there's pvp uh, at least in classic runescape and you go up there and you know what you're you know the moment you step in you could get blasted and killed by someone but how they had it work was the deeper you went into the wilds the larger the the level gap could be between you and your would-be killer, right? So so when you're in the first level, only people your level or one above or one below can attack you or you can attack them. So, you know, and then the deeper hmm, you went. That's interesting. It was interesting, and that way it kept it somewhat balanced, right? But the moment you stepped in there, still, you could you were going to be – you could be attacked and it's full loot. Um, but, yeah, I'm not saying there necessarily needs to be full loot, nor should it be in the entire island full loot, you know, but – some some areas that are risky and there's there's more there's reward for PvPing um, and reward for being careful you know and that reward being you don't lose your your stuff <laughs> I would be interested in that I would think that would be cool uh, and 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 like Slacker said it would it would give this feel of not only are you worried about the environment but the players themselves you know. So this also, I think it lends itself to, you know, we can't really talk about this, I think, without talking about EVE Online, because it is a full loot PvP system. Everywhere you go, you're free game. And how EVE has evolved with that is never fly a ship that you can't afford to replace. You don't leave the docking station with your best ship and all your gear on that ship. Because if you do, you're going to lose it. And if you lose it, you'll, you'll, you'll lose all your progress. So... They've, they've found a way 
to structure their gameplay so that the core of it, the essence of it, is that everywhere is dangerous. Be careful what you take out with you. And I think that's good. Um, well, and in a crafting issue, game, that makes sense. You should be able to, if you have the materials, craft a and second set. And very much a crafting well, game. Well, I'm talking yes. about this new world, too. In a crafting game, that would make sense. Craft a second set of your best stuff or craft some lower tier stuff so you, when you go out adventuring, you're okay if you lose them. You know, and then you bring your best stuff to the to the wars and to the you know to the dungeons and you know, anyway. Well, I, again, though, I mean, what what's the point of having these items if you're never going to take them out, right? I I I mean, what I what I'll is tell the you point? What the difference is. I, I I don't because the I don't point get it. is I don't understand having is that you prep those items so that when you have to go do a territory war, and a lot of stuff is on the line. You bring out yeah, your big guns. Exactly. You put on that high-end gear. You go get into your greatest ship. And you know what? That then becomes literally newsworthy. It becomes something that says, suddenly IGN's making a report or uh, Kotaku or whatever. They're saying, hey, players have just lost literally billions of dollars in cash in a massive war that's just scaled. It's been amazing. He's <laughs> done this multiple times. Because sure. there becomes yeah. a pivotal moment where it's like, guys, this is it. Get your best gear and get out there. You don't buy, you don't wear your best gear to go farm some lumber. Yeah. You wear your best <laughs> gear when you have to defend your territory. And that, and, and when you have that kind of an attitude, I think that an open loop free PVP concept works it, it, and it feels good. Unfortunately, that is not the route that New World went. They started there, but they have deviated from it. Uh, um, I I brought it up just because I would like to still see them reintroduce some of that back. I think it's – I don't uh, – you know, I, I get – it's a consequence of having that system that people are going to be upset because they, they went out and they lost their stuff and then they got ganked and, and corpse camped. You know, and that's that's understandable. It's a valid uh, reason to be upset. Um, so, so maybe there's a balance in what, what areas are dangerous and what areas are, are, are not, you can, you can unflag for PVP. You know, I, I'm really interested to see, cause I think they have the opportunity with this game to really make a good PVP MMORPG, a PVP focused MMORPG. And, and some of the best PVP focused MMOs have had, you know, that full loot aspect in some way or another. And, and. I would like to see what they could do with it, you know. So um, I'm, yeah. Anyway, that that's just why I brought that up. So this pairs really well, though, with our opinion segment, and we're going to be we're short on time, so so we won't dive too deep into this. But I think that that what we really like about the open world or the the open loot system is the fact that it makes it feel very immersive, right? When we're talking about that zombie apocalypse feel where you're worried not only about the zombies, but also about the other people who are out there, it gives you that level of immersion that when I see another body up on the, um, uh, you know, I see them silhouetted on top of a hill, I'm fearing for my life. And I'm like, is that dude going to come down here and try and fight me? Do I need to run or am I going to fight this fight? What level is he? All those decisions makes that part of an immersive experience as opposed to other more mainstream MMOs right now where PVP is very much packaged and contained in a queuable experience that you can go do as that little mini game off to the side. And I stated earlier, hey, I, I'm okay with that. What if things like Outpost Rush? But if your game is designed around that aspect of having that immersive PVP feel, 
It's absolutely warranted, I feel, that open loop content. I think that's very immersive uh, when done correctly, and it, it and it's and I think it's great. But I think that's how you know. Just to tie this all together, uh, I think that's how our uh, our immersion can feel really good with PvP and not feel like when you get ganked, you're like, oh my gosh, that just reset all my progress. I hate this game because I keep getting ganked. I can't make any progress. No, you download this game and you bought it on the premise that around every corner was going to be danger and that you were going to go out some days and you were going to kill some poor soul and take all of his good and make out like a bandit. And on other days, you were going to be the perpetrator like you do in Sea of Thieves, right? So, well, it's yeah. see, and I, I was going to bring up Sea of Thieves because I, I love Sea of Thieves models. I have no issues with with the way that game works um where you can it is you die you lose all your loot someone else takes it the thing is that there's not real progress to be made in that game i'm not getting upgraded weapons or armor or things like that in the game it's just treasure that i'm going to turn in for for money and the money is really only used for cosmetics um so i you might you might lose a session's worth of loot which which is definitely frustrating that's fine it teaches you a lesson but i, I feel like if you really earn something in MMO, something that's really hard to get and obtain, you should not be able to lose it so easily as I'm going out doing a quest and I got ganked by three people. There was no way I was going to survive. Type. I think it's a fair counter argument. Yeah. Right. I, I, I mean it, that, that would suck. It, it, the thing with the, the full loot system is like, it, you see this all the time in world PVP in world of Warcraft. There's often no honor in what happens in the world pvp and that's that's fine um i'm fine getting ganked by two people this happened to me just the other day in world of warcraft i was fighting this rogue and uh i'm i thought i was winning and then suddenly a second rogue pops up you know chain stuns me and i'm dun, dead. Dun, dun. Right? <laughs> you know uh right that that would feel terrible if um i'm having a 1v1 with somebody and then I feel like I'm winning, I'm going to do it, and then another person comes out of the blue, kills me, and then suddenly I, I've lost. Because, you know, you don't you don't have to respect a duel in the open world and, and things like that. There's just no honor. I, I, I don't know, I, I'd be fine to, um, with with a system more like see if these, maybe they put something in where you can go out and you're you're in this pvp zone gathering stuff and if you die you lose all the stuff you've gathered or or whatever something you might need to to craft a more powerful item um but i feel like once you've put in the effort to to get this really big exclusive item there's you shouldn't be able to just go gank somebody and, and take it away from them that that that's just my thoughts in in an rpg setting at least so yeah, i've, I've never liked that wrong. system and I, I love I okay fine wrong yeah I I love world PvP I'm gonna be playing world PvP all the time I yeah. I think where we talked a little bit about between instance and um you know world PvP I'm all for world PvP that's that's where my PvP stories come from um I the instance PvP yeah those those can be great too but I've uh never had a huge story to tell from a sea of thieves instance pvp they do have an instance pvp mode that you queue up for and stuff but all the good stories i have from that game are from the world pvp and these natural experiences that you have with the other players in the game one of my favorite guild names i ever saw in world of warcraft 
was and two stealth rogues. <laughs> so so you know, say your name and then yeah, and two just, stealth rogues. <laughs> just oh, that reminded me of that when you told your little rogue story there. Oh yeah, I was so I was infuriated. Uh, you know. So so here's, I'm, I'm here's good the question. With it. I, I have no issue. Yeah. Here's the question then, right? Because we've kind of touched on this a little bit. Specifically, what makes good PvP in an MMO, right? Because games can do it, right? There's great PvP in League of Legends. There's great PvP in Sea of Thieves. They're built around that. But in an MMO, where it's a game that's more like a hobby, right? It's it's it, it becomes a hobby, something you really invest your time Ooh, into. That's a good way to put that. Yeah. Right. It, it, where, how do you do good PvP, meaningful PvP, immersive PvP in an MMO? What what are the key? Like, think about the best examples of mmos where you've had the most fun in pvp um what is the key what are the what are the things that um you guys have seen that makes it meaningful or or fun or good you know however you want to put it for me it's it's never been about how the combat works or uh the graphics or, or or the world around me it's always been is it an immersive part of the game it is it or is it an afterthought? Is it something that's kind of been tacked on as, as a, like a oh and there's some PvP that you can go do a duel with? Meh, I'm not as interested. It's as soon as it's as soon as it gives me that zombie apocalyptic feel. It's as soon as that game gives me uh, a sense of dread and excitement every time I see another player over there. It doesn't have to be. I mean, I'm really excited for New World Combat. Don't get me wrong, but the combat is a bonus on top of the 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 fear that that person is going to kill me and I'm trying to do these PvP tests to take over territory, I got to call my buddies in and they're going to help me with it. Um, so I think it's what defines great PvP gameplay is how integral it is and how central it is to the design of the game as a whole. Um, and I think that bleeds into a lot of aspects of gameplay and development. Um, but I feel like I can always tell when the developers were like, Gameplay is a or PvP is a pillar of gameplay in our MMO versus PvP is a side activity that you can do in our MMO. I feel I can always tell the difference, and every time I'm always disappointed in the PvP when it's always just that side game. Yeah, I I I don't think that you can't have meaningful experience in instance or side game PvP stuff. That that you you absolutely can, and I think New World is in a great position to have that with wars and with outpost rush i think both of those game modes sound great um but i honestly i know you you're worried about having pvp feel like it's tacked on at the end of the day i i don't have a a big issue with that because i i feel like that players creating their own experiences with other players is really where all of the well that that's where all the really fun experiences with and now you can pin them up against each other but I, you know, in Outpost Rush and and Wars, you have these set objectives where um, people are going to be fighting each other, and it's not just this freeform thing. I I really enjoyed. Um, this was just a few weeks ago. We were playing World of Warcraft Classic, and I we were in a zone, and we we killed this guy, and then suddenly 
he shows up with two other guys to come kill us back. So we grab another guy and we go kill them. And then they come back with another guy and kill us. And then suddenly we're forming this entire raid group to go around killing <laughs> killing these people who kept killing us. You know, and it escalates in the zone. And then the zone starts talking about it. Your server starts talking about it. And you create these memorable stories on, on a server that you just can't necessarily always get out of an instance PvP. So I, I'm still on board for open world pvp is um my my favorite and i i think it's gonna work out great in your world yeah i i i would just say i think i think the best pvp is in an mmo is something that seamless that kind of fits seamlessly into the world around it and that's why i think with the direction some of these newer mmos are going where where you can actually control in-game territory and lose it and fight over it. I think that's a great direction. And and I think, you know, when you have crafting that actually matters and you're making you're trying to make the next best thing, losing that sucks, but it, it's it's part of the experience of, oh, there's danger around every corner. I have to be prepared when I go out, when I leave the safety of the territory or the safety of the city, whatever. I think you know, those kind of aspects are great. That's why Eve has been, you know, can, still is, you know, the best PvP uh, MMO out there. And it has been for a long time just because of that, The you know, the player-driven economy and the player-driven, uh, or the, play, the PvP with full loot. Anyway, I think the best PvP comes from from the actual from, from when it matters in game when what you do has a consequence whether on a large scale with territories or on a small scale with your own loot maybe full loot isn't the best thing for new world and obviously they took that direction um but i hope there is still some reward for uh for flagging as pvp there, the, you sh i hope there's good uh reason to do it in game or dirt while you're leveling up so we have more experiences like that with open world uh pvp because i really want to see that m as much as possible in this game i um and the last comment i'll say is is i if they want the player base that they that they're shooting for they have to introduce good pve and so with the introduction of pve i think and the dungeons i think that's a you know it's a great thing i just don't want them to lose the focus on how it originally started with with that emphasis on pvp because uh, i think that's what really will make this game a lot of fun to play for a long time i agree okay and i think that's a great place for us to wrap up this episode um that's a good way to, to tie it up in a bow there's still a ton of us for us to talk about. Uh, we want to talk about what's been buzzing around the community. Uh, Stagger was a core mechanic in the game where people would get knocked back after getting hit from a, an attack. Uh, and the community, some people are voting, hey, bring it back. And others saying, no, 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 leave it gone because it was, it was terrible. Once we've had a chance to get into the game, it'll be really interesting to um, see what our thoughts are on whether it should or should not be there. And we also want to talk about in our next episode what features surprised us, what features we think are lackluster, what's our first impressions. Um, so stick with us. There's a lot to come in the episodes to come. We're super excited for beta. Uh, we'll talk a bit more next week also on the economic system uh, and what gathering feels like and how that's all playing a role. Um, and remember, if you want to be involved with us and you want to come play with us uh, and you want to be in the company and on the server that we're playing on, join our Discord and you can catch all that information there. 
Once again, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We really have enjoyed the growth uh, that we've seen in this podcast. We've had a fantastic community being built out of it. Uh, We couldn't do this without you guys. Uh, We really appreciate it. So a big thank you uh, from me, Slacker, and from my co-hosts, Big Papa. Thank you. And Ruko. Bye, everyone. You guys have a great week. We will see you on the beta. Y'all take care. Bye.